This is a competitive radio hour. Where we discuss. But it's not really competitive. We just discuss. We don't need them anymore. You know more than I know. But Lee knows more than I know. And I'm Will Hagel, music enthusiast, music writer, here with my co-host, Lee Robinson, also music enthusiast. And we're here. And we're here to talk about music. We each picked two classic albums, and we're going to connect them with three songs each of tangential musical references resulting in six songs of separation between the two albums, Kevin Bacon style. And sometimes we do a theme, and you can email us at connectingtheclassics at gmail.com if you want to suggest a theme, and we'll Venmo you $1. But this week, no theme. Lee picked his album first, so I'll let him describe what that's all about, and then we'll be connecting to my album. So I sent off Sade. You know, we hadn't talked about Sade yet, and I love making you listen to Funky Bass. So is that, you pronounce it Sade? Yeah, That's one yes. I never know how to say it. You say it like Sade. It. Like when I was a kid, I'd say Sade, and then everyone's like Sade, Sade. Um, and then I also thought Sade was a person. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It's. I mean, she is the singer, but it's referred to as a band. The whole group is Sade. And it's named, it's like Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, yeah. like the whole group. Okay. She's And the name of the album was Love Deluxe or something yeah. like that? 1992. I thought it was kind of funny that it, uh, I read on Wiki this was the last album they did before a seven-year hiatus because Sade had a kid. So maybe this is CTC's uh, Love Deluxe. Interesting. And then we'll talk about it more later but you know same era a year before but a different tone i fired back with nirvana never mind another classic it's almost too much of a classic but we'll talk about that later let's launch into some sade so that's what t-pain was talking about at the beginning of that song sade yeah. All right, launching into the biggest hit on the album. This is Kiss of Life. Nice. I almost picked this, but we'll talk about it. Famously sampled by Doom on Doomsday. We'll weave that web. Yeah, because I this came up on the album and I was like, wait, I recognize this. What is that again? Yeah. Had one of those sample recognized moments. Something led me to you. Look at the sky. It's the color of love. There must have been an angel by my side. 
right, so what's, what do you know about Sade before this album? Have you listened to much of their stuff? No, it's just one of those names that, you know, everyone who has good music taste supposedly loves Sade and... And Drake. Uh, you know, you don't know who they are. You mispronounce it and I get made fun of, but I've never listened to any songs on purpose. Obviously, I, when this one came on, I recognize it from the Doom sample. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the album because would you say it's fair to characterize you as someone, you mentioned the funky bass. Would you characterize yourself as someone who really likes like, you can put out just a smooth R&B kind of album and just vibe out to it. Totally. I, I was really impressed. I, I knew a lot of the hits on this album, but I never really sat down and played it out as what happens often with CTC albums. And I was loving it. I thought it, it went together really well as an album. Uh, this is 1992, so it's kind of the back half of their discography, which I hadn't really you know, thought about. And I felt like, you know, the 90s can be sort of an awkward music time, you know, when we look back at it. But I still thought this held up uh, super smooth, great. Like, uh, it was like evening time. So I threw it on at like nine o'clock at night and I thought it played really well. So when did Sade form then? So they're 80s, I think like, do you have any idea? Cause you said early 80s, I think uh, their big first hit was Smooth Operator, which I, I'm sure you know that, that one's a big hit too. Gotcha. Smooth yeah, cause you mentioned the 90s and we'll be talking about Nirvana and grunge and kind of like the ambivalence of that genre that became popular in the 90s. Totally. And I gotta say, I'm a little ambivalent about Sade, but the album did flow together nicely. Well, and we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I think uh, I think Sade gets a lot of credit because they were, you know, one, they were a band, right? So these are all kind of like live grooves uh, at a time when, you know, R&B and soul was kind of, you know, messing around with synths and drum machines and kind of becoming more mechanical like hip-hop was. But then I think also it was so jazzy that it kind of uh, created that genre quiet storm, which we can talk about more from my next connection. But this kind of idea of like late night. And they're English too, right? Yeah, they are English. And I think she's actually an African immigrant. I think she's from Nigeria. But yeah, I will agree with you. Definitely. Sade gets a lot of like pop culture love in a way that maybe is un- uh, unnecessary. Like there's that Drake song where he t- shouts out Sade. You know that one? I think it's Passion Fruit maybe. I believe it. But this is this killer. Right this here. is the do- Doom sample, yeah. Yeah. Used to cop a lot, used to bob a lot. <laughs> Hey, I might have a, I'm not revealing my connections. I might have a way too obvious one, but we'll be weaving that web. Another sample in that song is a past CCC album with uh, Boogie Down Productions. He uses the drums in the Boogie Down Productions song.
All right. Great choice. I picked that song too, but I queued up another one just in case you picked it because nice. it was an undeniable hit. It's it's tough. It's like, I want to make sure we get the hit, you know? It's like, I want to make sure we listen to the hit, but then it's like one of us, if they think the other is going to pick it, then we don't get to hear it. We don't plan this. CTC. Podcast is jazzy like Sade. All right. So you gave me Sade. Uh, I wanted to pick something that was maybe different tonally, but I was thinking early 90s. So obviously I was thinking Nirvana. We hadn't really talked about them much. So I started kind of just listening to their whole discography. And I thought, never mind, since it's, you know, was the huge popular album. I thought that would be a good one to do for CTC. Kind of my thinking too is like, and I tweeted this and then a lot of people disagreed with me, but I kind of can't believe for some reason that this was like the biggest pop band, like number one billboard topping band at a certain point in the early 90s. And I guess the reason I can't believe it is just because it is so heavy, like it's super poppy, but it's also heavy. And I guess like in the 80s, there were, you know, hair metal bands and then grunge's reaction against that. But even with that, it's like the state of popular music, I'd say for the past 20 years has been more influenced by stuff like Sade, like you mentioned Drake, Sade, you know what I mean? Like this sort of like yeah. smoother stuff and then also like indie rock. So, and, but then the more I thought about it, there was like Limp Biscuit and Linkin Park and all those bands. So it's like totally. heavy music has been popular, but I feel like it hasn't been as popular now. Whereas like Travis Scott is something that's like heavy music almost that gets people moshing, but it's not as like crazy angsty as Nirvana. But anyways, I couldn't really pick a song. There's too many damn hits. And also I want to hear your thoughts on it because you said you've never listened to Nevermind before, which is crazy. But let's launch in and we can talk about it to Nirvana. Drain you. One baby two. This is great. Should have been a hit over Smells Like Teen Spirit. So Nirvana had Bleach in 1989, and then Steve Albini produced In Utero after this in 93. They did their MTV Unplugged in 94, so this is 91, and the producer is Butch Vig. They recorded it in Van Nuys, but I feel like, and this isn't like a unique thought, but a lot of people kind of credit Butch Vig with making their sound so poppy and huge. And then this part right here, I guess Kurt Cobain had brought some rubber ducks into the studio 
for this little interlude <laughs> and he's squeaking them on the mic like a squeaky mouse I was also reading Kurt Cobain said his favorite band was the Pixies and they took the like a lot of their songs will have quiet verses and then like really loud pop punk kind of hooks which band and he took that like the pixies oh, he the took pixies. like the dynamic of being quiet and then suddenly loud but the story of this song too i guess kurt cobain and dave Grohl were driving down to california for the nevermind sessions and they stopped in san francisco and stayed with the Melvin's drummer, Dale Corver, who I found Rolling Stone says is the 69th best drummer of all time. And I recently, my parents sent me like a box of my trash from my childhood home. And one thing I had in my closet that I stole from my brother is a signed Melvin's poster. So I gotta give that back to him. So I just shout out to Melvin's. But I guess they went to a record, or they went to like a rehearsal space. And Kurt Cobain was like, yeah, I got this song, but it's not really a Nirvana song because it doesn't have any drum parts on it. And then the drummer of the Melvins played the drums. And then he was like, oh, all right, we got a drum part now. And then they recorded it at the Nevermind Sessions. Like I said, there's so many hits on this album. It opens with Smells Like Teen Spirit, which kind of like I was saying, even though that's such a huge hit, I felt like it shouldn't be for some reason. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that or what your thoughts on the album were. Yeah, I think it was filled with hits. It rides that line between pop and like authentic like experimentation, genre, like exploration. Uh, it's just that, you know, yeah. Right time, right place kind of thing. It's it's their biggest album, right? I would think. Bigger than Bleach. Uh yeah, I mean most popular. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. utero uh, then kind of is like it went even heavier and weirder. Steve Albini produced it and like the fact that people still love them even when that came out is crazy to me too. But I'm gonna go on a quick run. I'm draining you of nice. your song of a rare first song straight into a run. I watched this video of Butch Vig in the studio with the master tracks from the Drain You session talking about it. So I want to listen to this. We can cut it short if it's boring. It's like three minutes long, but... Drain You probably has the record for most guitar overdubs on Nevermind. I think after we cut the basic take, I wasn't really happy with the sounds, and we went back and overdubbed a clean sound on the intro with Kurt's vocal as well as one, two, three, four, five guitars, two tracks of the Mesa Boogie. So the thing, this album has uh, a lot of like of the layered Fender tracks basement. and post-production, and, uh, which I guess one track that we call the Kurt Super Grunge, was which was a pedal into the basement. Kind of against, and, and then uh, they're not all he equal talks volume, here that he kind of tricked them to record stuff up, twice, the song, and then layered and it. And blended and panned to, to give it a very kind of almost orchestral sound with the guitars. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll play the intro here. This is the... This is what it sounded like with just the with Kurt's vocal on the in the clean guitar. One baby to another says I'm lucky to meet you. I don't care what he's still singing from the take. We take that out and we put in the basic track, which is the drums and bass, 
and the main guitar that he cut with the live track. So now here's what it sounds like when it kicks in. One baby to another says I'm lucky all right, we don't have to listen to the whole thing. It's boring for the listeners, but you should go watch the video. Recording drain, recording Nirvana, Drain You, Butch Vig breaks it down in the studio, but he just goes through each of the guitar tracks. One's super clean, and then he gets a couple more takes, so it's like him playing guitar again and overdubs that. And then he mentioned there's, they called it the grunge mic, which was like a mic in the basement picking up this like super heavy distortion. And he put all those together and it resulted in this like huge sound that Kurt Cobain would have been unable to play on his own. So I think he gets a lot of credit for, you know, making this album as big as it was and having that huge sound. Because even like, you know, smells like teen spirit. It's like, like the drums are huge. Yeah, this album came at a time where I feel like recording technology was uh, becoming closer to what we know it as now um the idea of like layering tons of tracks because prior to that you were pretty limited um by your console um so yeah when i went to yep. school for recording engineering there was this sort of modern idea was what all the professors were kind of like cut their teeth in and was how they preached they would say like uh -huh. record your your tracks like just through your speakers just like layer as many versions that are just like different and distorted or like fucked up in some kind of way and then just like layer it all together to get a huge sound like that was what they always preached yeah and i think a lot of people do that now and then there is something to though embracing the minimalism of because i feel like i tend to do that when i'm recording stuff where i feel like it always sounds better if i delete like half of the tracks that i use but i mean people like butch vig who are pros can do it well uh, I think think it's interesting too. They went to Steve Albini after this because I don't know if he does much overdubbing, but I know he's known for kind of like recording bands live in like a raw format and not kind of meddling in the sound too much. So I wonder if they did that intentionally. Well, Wiki also said he well, had done back. two. He had done a Surfa Rosa from the Pixies, and so I think again your Pixies connection there was another reason why they wanted him. Butch Vig or Steve Albini? Steve Albini. He did Surfer oh, okay, Rosa. Gotcha. Um, all right. So we left right, off with Sade. You know, as we had already talked mentioned, you know, Sade is the group. Um, so when Sade the singer went on a hiatus, had a kid, um, the band members actually continued to make music and they made uh, formed a group called Sweetbacks, and then we're gonna listen to a song called sensation and we can transfer out of this quickly but just wanted to sort of show that continuation of um that quiet storm r&b neo soul type genre that was developing in early 90s here's sweetback you got to tell me what quiet storm is because i've never heard of that yeah we'll talk sounds a little like bit a about it you, have you heard like the term QAnon? before you heard someone no. use the term before oh. It sound like I said, it sounds like a right wing QAnon type thing. The quiet storm. We're going to storm the Capitol while listening to Sade.
definitely get some late night cruising vibes from this and Sade like like you're in a video game or something yeah totally This is 96, uh, four years after Lover or Love Deluxe. And Quiet Storm, I guess the reason it's important to me is, I don't know if you've ever wondered, but like why the term R&B can be applied to like, you know, music like this with, you know, have a singer on it, but, you know, drum machine or drum samples versus like R&B, the original R&B, which is guitars and uh, you know, early rock rock and roll style like music. Yeah, R and B was always an interesting genre classifier because I definitely think of it as like R. Kelly and people like that, like just kind of singing over slowed hip hop type beats. This almost sounds so, a little dubby. So I think that's where this the Quiet Storm genre uh, originated with radio programming. There's some dub for you. But yeah, so basically yeah. late 70s, early 80s. Um, supposedly they credit this one guy, Melvin Lindsay. He would program music. Ooh, Melvin's. Yeah, Melvin's. <laughs> this is the, the Melvin's, Melvin's episode. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, he would program a mix of like, you know, slow R&B jams from people like Smokey Robinson but as the years go on and we get into Sade and, and uh, you know, music like this, he continued to program those slower jams. And then, you know, we got the more R&B that we know today with drum machines and whatever else. So he's, he's weaving his own also webs weaving with Quiet Storm. Yeah. Also weaving webs to grunge, Quiet Storm to grunge. Grunge was, you know, punk and metal also influenced by like indie, like Sonic Youth, but it was, you know, slowing everything down. Like grunge was like a slowed version of the genres that influenced it, which I feel like R&B is too. Experience sensations you never thought All right, I'm gonna go on a quick run here. We don't have to listen to this whole song. I wanna go to my next connection since we got another yeah, Melvin's so connection. Much running through the quiet storm so um, the name Sweetback I don't know if it's a direct reference but have you ever heard of the legendary uh, black exploitation type film Sweetback or Sweet Sweetback's badass song directed by Melvin Van Peebles so I'm going to launch into a song from that album this is Sweetback's theme from Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song. Nice. Another Melvin. Ooh, someone should sample these drums. Don't just yell yeah at the beginning of the song. So that's more. <laughs> right. uh-huh. I got some 
So we got back in time here. This is 1971. The director pretty much did like all of the work himself. It's an independent film. So he, he composed the music for the film, even though he didn't know how to read or write music. So he just like numbered all the piano keys so that he could remember the melodies. And then he got an unknown band at the time. He got Earth, Wind, and Fire to perform. Wow. So we're listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire play right now. Wow. Weaving webs back to Nirvana. Earth is one of the proto-grunge bands that Kurt Cobain was friends with the frontman of Earth, which we've listened to his album for, I think, a lost episode of CTC, or an old episode that you, you chose. Yeah. Kind of like noise. Yeah, another Washington metal. band. Washington, yeah. But if you got the Earth, you add a little wind and fire, and you got a loud storm. So I don't know how much we want to get into it. Listeners, feel free to go up, look, watch this movie online. Uh, I think it just got re-released. Uh, it's a super... Uh, what's the term? Uh, shocking movie, I guess. A lot of this is about just sort of shocking the audience. Um, things like there's like a dead dog in one of the scenes and um, he filmed his son having sex with a hooker at like his son's like 11 years old so potentially you know pedophilia type um, I wanted to use the term racy but I don't want to get confused because there's also this element of it's very like um, a lot of social commentary on race and black oppression but it's a uh, it's like a big movie in the sort of film nerd community. What's it called again? So check it out. Sweet, Sweetback's Badass Song. Nice. I like it. Never heard of it, but sounds interesting. Got to check it out. Are you passing it back? All right, passing it. All right. We left off Nirvana, Drain You, Butch Fig, talking about how he made the big drums, or not the drums, the big guitars, and how he doubled Kurt Cobain's vo- vocals. We are an evergreen podcast. But my connection here, it's been raining a lot in LA lately, which means, you know, the mountains are ever greener than before. And I'm only happy in the quiet storm launching into garbage. I'm only happy <laughs> when it rains. I'm only Butch Biggs bad. This is his band. He's the drummer and founded the band. So this is 95, a few years after Nevermind. This was the second single after Stupid Girl. Oh, wow. And, you know, this was a hit when we were younger, but 
I was kind of look, reading up more on it and read that they made this song sort of as a slight parody of grunge music because, you know, Nirvana and other bands that follow them kind of popularize like that ambivalence, you know, depression music that I kind of mentioned. So this was like really leaning into it. I'm only happy when it rains. Wikipedia says they formed in Madison, Wisconsin, which I thought was interesting. I don't know if which big lived there. But, you know, thinking more about this song and grunge, just, you know, Seattle, it's always rainy. kind of weaving webs through episodes too this it doesn't sound like the cure but I think there's something that appeals to me personally about like songs that are simultaneously poppy and kind of darker or like bring like you put on Sade and like I said you just want to drive around or like dance around your kitchen feeling smooth in a good mood take your clothes off yeah uh like some candles yeah uh get naked put on a snuggie but like nirvana is you know you want to like fight someone but also like sing along i was also thinking nirvana and i might be totally mischaracterizing this but i almost feel like nirvana is like the Beatles nowadays because the Beatles are so old but like in the 90s the 60s were 30 years away and now the 90s are like 30 years away and they're like they were such a huge band that then there was they kind of receded a little bit and now like the younger generations are like oh I just found out about Nirvana you know and kind of incorporating their sound a little bit into it We'll be getting, we'll be weaving that web here in a little bit. Yeah. And also just the fact of like recorded music really only, we've talked about this a lot, like recorded music kind of started in the fifties and it's still going on today, but the distribution and production methods have both changed so much that there really is only like a certain time period of like canonical, if you want to call it that, that's not the right word, but you know, of like albums. Whereas then like the definition of even an album has kind of shifted lately. So I don't know. Yeah. I would say albums is like sixties. Yeah. But even, even in the nineties, cause like this was a, you know, whether it was a cassette or a CD or a vinyl, it was still kind of the same idea, but anyways, I'm passing back. All right. Well, good thing there's CTC keeping the idea of an album alive when streaming services fracture everyone's attention into single songs and playlists yeah it's really annoying trying to look up these albums on spotify because i'll go to spotify and they don't just display every band's album apple music does that but anyways that's just a personal rant where do we leave off we were at sweet sweetback's badass song a black exploitation film uh it's a genre that kind of got coined after this movie was made um it's kind of that dave Chappelle type trap where 
uh, you know, if you're criticizing stereotypes, you're also reinforcing them in in a way. Um, so the term black exploitation is obviously black and exploitation. Um, so in a sense, I think we look back in these and they, they seem somewhat outdated and offensive. Uh, maybe some might say that black exploitation films have been canceled, just like my next connection here, Elvis launching into another type of media that's been canceled. This is Mr. Show. Oh, Mr. Show's been canceled, which was literally canceled. Oh, <laughs> uh, just was canceled, right? Yeah. Uh, this is the skit Titanica visits a fan making fun of uh, gigantic metal bands like Metallica in the 90s. And in this case, a fan tried to commit suicide because of their song, Try Suicide, and they're visiting him in the hospital. Thank you so much for coming. All he ever does is talk about Titanica. You're his favorite band. Hey, glad to help out a fan. Yeah. His parents are afraid he's going to try to kill himself again. Oh, well, people don't usually jump into a vat of acid twice, do they? Well, we hope not, but uh, maybe you can convince him that his life is worth living. We'll do our best. <laughs> Adam? So then you see David Cross in a hospital bed. Adam? No way, Titanica! Oh my God! What are you doing here? We came to see you, buddy. Yeah, we were in town doing a show and we said, hey, Let's go see Adam. <laughs> and so, granted, this you should probably watch the skit. It kind of ventures into the realm of like body horror type comedy. Um, I'll I'll save our listeners since uh, the gags better in in person. But basically, he has like the hospital sheet up to his neck, and then they decide to like put one of their like wristbands around his his arm. And they pull the sheet down and he's just like this tiny little like shriveled body because he jumped into a vat of acid. <laughs> Anyways, that's great. Check it out. Mr. Show. Uh, that's sort of my wedge point here to my next connection. You had mentioned Nirvana is like the Beatles. Uh, I'd say we just missed the boat on Nirvana, but I think our version of Nirvana is Blink-182. <laughs> this is... Adam's song, which used the, to- the term Adam as a reference to Mr. Show. The band was a huge fan uh, of Mr. Show and that skit where the fan who tried to commit suicide was named Adam. Launch and in. Talk about a cancelable take that Blink-182 is on Nirvana. <laughs> from the last episode played the choice was mine in Blink-182 yeah. when Tom DeLonge went to study UFOs and I was back.
All right, why do you think they're not our Nirvana? They're totally the same formula. They're just a move back towards, I guess, pop, pop punk. And I guess they were probably as big as Nirvana. I don't really know. But to me, Blink-182 totally. is more of a joke, I guess. Or, like, not as serious. And it also came out of, like, Green Day and all these, like, pop punk bands getting popular. That's true. Maybe they weren't as bespoke as Nirvana. And Nirvana, too, has obviously, like, the mythology of them that Kurt Cobain killed himself and was, like, struggling with heroin addiction. Like Adam's song. Yeah. Like the Mr. Show sketch. The suicide episode. I guess to me the parallels are like Travis Barker is an incredible drummer. So you've got the great drum element. I think there's more to like Mark Hoppus songs than I think people give credit for. This one is about, I was reading online uh, how he felt when he was touring that he was super alone and that like uh, all of the bandmates had girlfriends to go back to but he was single. So that's why some of the references are like can't wait till I can get home and spend my time alone. You know which album this is on. I forget. This is on Enema of the State. Okay. Because it almost sounds like... This is 2000. Even like... It almost sounds a little like that later album that had Miss You on it. Yeah, yeah. Definitely Miss You has the same feel. But yeah, I think... You know, we didn't get Nirvana, but I think we got Blink-182. Just the way it went. Contrary to what people think, uh, Hoppus wanted this song to be it's like inspiring hope for people that were battling depression and like suicide. But it got a lot of flack because one of their fans did kill themselves and had this song playing on repeat. So maybe this song was also canceled like Mr. Show. Damn. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things yeah. that you can't really avoid if you're a band that plays this kind of music because I mean and that was kind of a big thing in the 90s even with like Eminem who we've talked about or like all these people kind of like taking music too literally and stuff like that Marilyn Manson another canceled artist are you passing it back yeah I think it was, it's a really heavy topic um, and it almost didn't make the album I think because of that but they decided it was too good of a song so they put it on all right, passing it back.
All right, we left off with garbage, only happy when it rains. Lee, what do you say to your trash when you throw it away? Goodbye. You say farewell, launching into a song called Farewell. But this song also relates back to Nirvana, Drain You. As I was saying, Kurt Cobain and Dave Grohl showed the song to Dale Crover of the Melvins. This is the Melvins episode. The Melvins have a song called Boris, which is what this band named themselves after. This is the Japanese. Oh, wow, duo, this is Boris. Boris. This is the opening track from their 2006 album Pink. Farewell. Sounds like some dub. Yep. Also, little drones, kind of like John Cale of Velvet Underground. And that's my John Cale. Get out of jail for color. For those who don't know, though, this band is crazy. I'm curious to hear your take on them since you recognize their name. But they started out mid-90s super heavy kind of similar to like Sleep who we've talked about on the podcast before kind of doing like drone metal their albums would be like one song for one hour and then this album like I said 2006 and they've kind of evolved on every album just like Blink-22 not really but this album kind of they went more droney experimental a little bit more accessible it's not as like loud and heavy and then like later on in this song it kind of gets more post-rocky even a little bit the husband and wife couple Wata and Atsuo you'd expect from a normal pop song but it's like just shifting like a slight note up and then everything changes and that kind of adds this like I don't know emotion to it in a way I don't know if I'm describing that right almost like a key change yeah or it's like maybe not the right note like going back to the movie you were talking about the composer how he didn't play you know traditional music or whatever but still just figured it out it's like it works even though it's not the standard correct note you might expect someone to play it probably is yeah. just a key change if you step in. 
do like chorus though. Chorus? Yeah. Or oh, chorus. Chorus. Yeah, everything I've heard, it's been enjoyable. I've never really done a deep dive. At work, they're actually one of those bands that's always super hard to uh, like keep their catalog clean because a million people call themselves chorus. That's funny. Are there a lot of Melvins out there? <laughs> I'll have to look. It does remind me, though, of uh, this music feels like you need it in the right place, right, like, setting, just like Sade. Yeah, like you kind of just zone out and take it all in. Yeah, like I'm not going to listen to this if I'm on a run or something. You going on a run? Well, I'm going to fade this one out. It's a long song. I feel like you hear kind of the... Like screamo bands took something from the, the singing in this too. You know what I mean? And that was around that time, like 2006. It's got the emo vibes. Passing it back. Okay. We left off with Blink-182, Adam's song. Mark Hoppus says, I took my time. I hurried up. The choice was mine. I didn't think enough. Gets me into Nirvana, Come As You Are. Clear oh. homage in the lyrics. You're already in Nirvana? Where Kurt says... Take your time. Hurry up. Yeah, do you got do you want to play something else? I'm going on a run. We're talking on a run. We'll just stop in here quick because I had it queued up. We were talking Boris. Boris Yeltsin could have launched into Someone Still Loves You, Boris Yeltsin, a band from Missouri who's on polyvinyl records from Champaign, Illinois. Shout out Champaign, Illinois, my hometown. Boris, we're talking Boris's. Boris Yeltsin was responsible, you know, for transitioning Russia from communism to capitalism in the 90s around when Nirvana was playing in Seattle basically led to you know capitalism and oligarchy in Russia got impeached because he tried to dissolve parliament then he came back got absolute power stepped down in 1999 and transferred power to Vladimir Putin that happened to be the same year a producer named Metal Fingers was sampling Sade and you know when Boris Yeltsin came to power the Cold War ended People in America and Russia stop worrying about atomic bombs or doomsday. We already talked about it. We'll just hear a little bit of the opening and then we'll go back to Nirvana, launching the MF Doom Doomsday. Wanted to hear a little the Sade sample in a recontextualization. When I 
even though that's not Sade singing. Oh, really? Who is it? I don't know, some random person. But it's from the album, right? He brought... I think the sample of the background is, and then they recreated that. Yeah, he had to re-sing it. Weaving webs back to the episode we did about KMD. We don't need to get an MS Doom, but this was came out in '99. The same year Vladimir Putin was coming into power in Russia. And obviously the chorus, you know, says, till I'm back where my brother went. So he was performing on his own without his brother. But I'll pass it back. Just this wanted to also, do a quick pit This is also when he reemerges after he disappeared for all those years. Yeah, this is Operation Doomsday. And he produced the song. So. Had to yeah, stop great in. Beat, one of my all-time favorites. But now I'll pass it back. All right, Blink-182 to Nirvana, come as you are. One of the first songs I learned on guitar. Yeah, it's a classic riff. like Butch Big doubled his vocals on this too. Like he said, he sang it the same way every time. So when you lined him up, it basically sounded the same, but it had kind of that weird extra quality to it. Definitely Pixie's vibe on this. So yeah, what did you think of Nerf? Nevermind listening to it the first time? Obviously, you've probably heard this song. It smells like Teen Spirit. Yeah, there's definitely moments, like parts of the album, where there was like a three or four song run that I really liked. A um, couple songs where like it lost me a little bit, but I still appreciate the experiment. Like territorial hits. It's not just like, not there's, just like all hits, you know. There's this like a couple like really heavy songs too. Yeah, like super distorted yelling. I think one of them has this like a yelling. I'm standing by my thought that I can't believe this was a popular hit. Like I even remember when this was like a hit 
I was born in 91, and this was still a hit when I became conscious, like, later in the 90s. Like, it was played all the time on radio and stuff. Yeah, but this is, like, this is such a hit. What are you talking about? It's a hit, but it's also, like, someone screaming, like, I swear I don't have a gun, and, like... Yeah, I guess it is a hit, but it's just yeah. heavier than what I'm used to as hits now, I guess. I think I'm overthinking it, and I'm probably wrong. I will, I will say that I think the worst part of Nirvana is all the people who tried to like imitate Kurt Cobain. Like Nickelback to me is just like someone trying to do Nirvana. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I was saying is like they were so big and then they had like influence on rock music all through the 90s and early 2000s. And then they kind of faded away. Whereas now, I guess they're kind of coming back and influencing away. Like even... Someone like Lil Peep, I think, like Kurt Cobain, and was like, you know. Also, apparently, Lil Nas yeah. X got accused of ripping off Nirvana for the song Panini, and then he was like, he'd never even heard Nirvana before, and he listened to it and was like, oh damn, this is good. <laughs> All right, take us home. All right, we left off with MF Doom. Doomsday, talking about till he's back where his brother went, death, suicide episode, when you die, you feel no pain. That's like when you listen to music. This was a jam. The dub, the dub song on the album. This was the one that stood out to me when I was listening. I feel like this is sampled in something too, but maybe I just know this song. Because I knew um, No Ordinary Love, but I'd never really heard this one. And so the album opens with No Ordinary Love and then jumps into this, and I was like, oh! You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Help them to smile. Don't let them stay home. And then Kirk Cobain was like, yeah, yeah. Also, like, kind of sad lyrics. Like, we were talking about, like, it's not very smooth. It's like, we've been laid off. Can't get a job. Yeah, this album had a couple of songs like that. There's the one about the woman in Somalia. And listen to the blues. Definitely funky. So I don't know. We didn't talk too much about it, but there's also a controversy, I think, with... Um, drug use. I think Sade, the singer, was known for doing a lot of heroin. Just like Kurt Cobain. Oh, wow. Connected they, with one connection. They both wanted to feel no pain. Nice. 
I thought it was interesting too, comparing the two albums side by side. Like even though I'm trying to force this point that I can't believe such heavy angsty music was so popular at the same time stuff like this was popular too so i think it's just whatever is a good song in whatever era it is kind of rises to the top pop music will always be poppy i don't actually say this is this album is less poppy than nevermind and more kind of intricate and musical I definitely feel like Nirvana has reached a point where if you re-listen to their discography, it's not as loaded as it was in the 90s and early 2000s when it was still around. It's kind of, there's been enough distance that you can kind of examine it as a cultural artifact. And I didn't give enough shout out to uh, Dave Grohl, who's still doing it. And Chris Novoselic, or however you say it. Sorry, I talked about Nirvana over your Sade song, Sade. See, I still mispronounce it, even though I know how to pronounce it. Sade. Sade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As T-Pain says. Thanks for listening. We did it. We do it for you. Connected Sade to Nirvana. How did we do it? We didn't plan it. Lee came in, talked about MF Doom right off the bat. I put that in as a last second connection. You know, we were recording live. I could have just skipped it because Lee was already going to Nirvana, but instead I had to interrupt it, ruin the flow, and play it. But I just want to hear that sample. But for that, I'm going to give Lee the episode on this. Um, no points were awarded, but I think he wins. The, he comes out on the edge with the draw. This is a friendly competitive radio hour. But hey, email us at connectedtheclasses.gmail.com if you want to tell us who you thought won the episode or if you want to suggest a theme. Alrighty. All right. Talk to you See later. See you next week.